Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast downloaded over three-quarters of a million times in over 160 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage, coming to you from Warradandi country. This is episode 253 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. And in this episode, we just do a last short episode to discuss our recent trip on the Cape to Cape track, what we thought about the trip so far, and our reason for stopping. We hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice, so that each episode is available as soon as it's published, and if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. In the previous two episodes, we talk about our expectations for our journey on the Cape to Cape track, uh, and then followed by our on-trail episode for the trip that we covered so far. As mentioned in the previous episode, we did actually stop the trip short, and in this episode, we're going to talk about why we stopped, the reasons for it, uh, and what we thought about the track so far, and where to from next. Okay, so as mentioned in episode 252, we finished this trip after two and a half days into uh, the six-day journey, and we completed 44, just over 44 kilometres, which given the designated distance for this track, around about 123, 124 kilometres, that was definitely over uh, a third of the track all covered. Yeah, um, so when you think about it, um, probably almost half the time that we were going to spend and we did about a third. <laughs> it's not great, is it? <laughs> well, it, wasn't, it certainly wasn't too bad. I mean, you know, it's probably 35% of the track uh, and we did have some of the uh, big days still to come uh, that would have certainly increased that. One day of almost 28 kilometres and another, another day of 25 kilometres. Okay, so as mentioned, we did actually stop this trip uh, earlier than expected. We had planned to finish the whole trip, um, but really what it came down to is why are we here and how are we feeling? Yeah, it wasn't great. (laughs) So I I guess I was probably, well, I was the main reason why uh, we halted the trip. I, I don't think Tim was possibly too unhappy about me saying um, I've had enough. So it was kind of interesting. I think uh, the first day we started quite late um, and we were in a bit of a hurry to uh, get into the first campsite. And, you know, I was doing okay. By the next day, started to feel a little bit off, nothing specific. And by the third day, it was just like heart and mind not into this at all. And Tim was saying afterwards that he he noticed a couple of things um, of me. I think one was I I did a lot of whinging. Uh, That was probably (laughs) not hard to notice. But uh, usually when we hike, I lead 
and uh, a, a few times, not too many and not too far, but a, f- a few times I sort of stepped off the track into a little bit of a dead end and then had to come back a bit. And that's something I probably would never normally do. Um, so there was some indicators there that it wasn't working for me. The landscape was beautiful. Um, it was stunning. It was harsh. But it just wasn't doing it for me. And I think the other thing as well, we this was late March, early April. So we were pretty much out of summertime. We were into autumn. Uh, but we had the first day was actually overcast, bit of breeze and coolish, I would say. Not cold, but certainly coolish. Second day was reasonably warm. It was probably around about 25 to 27 degrees, which is the forecast, as was the third day as well. So in addition to not feeling 100%, I mean, the heat certainly has that impact as well. Yeah, it was. it's an interesting one because you would think that, you know, as you're walking along these amazing cliff tops, that uh, you'd have a breeze all the way. And as Tim said, that first afternoon, we certainly did. But there are a lot of spots where it was still. And um, even though it was high 20s, which, you know, I guess is not too hot uh, given Australian standards, uh, but it was still, it was breathless. And um, that that made it, you know, more hot and uh, sun was shining. And uh, as I said, you know, just heart and mind not into it. Now, we have talked about when to call it quits on a hike previously in both a podcast and written form. And really what it comes down to is there's no good reason for persevering just for the sake of it. Uh, And we we ended up stopping this trip in Gracetown, which was a logical stopping point. Uh, We still had around about five and a half kilometres left to go for that day. But uh, the issue became is if we had have kept on going and – Jill hadn't started to feel any better, we would have had to turn around and come back because that was really the next logical place to go rather than continuing on uh, for a longer distance the next day. So we'd stop for lunch at Gracetown um, at uh, Gracie's General Store, um, which I love the name of, and uh, had an amazing pie which came from a baker in Augusta and a cold drink and uh, was sitting on this little deck and thinking – no, this is not going to happen. <laughs> this is just not going to happen. And it was interesting because some of the people who were following us who'd uh, stayed at the same campsite the night before came in uh, to the general store just as we were leaving and uh, about to take refuge in the at the caravan park. Um, they looked as exhausted as we felt, that's for sure. So, and and I have to say that they were much younger and they did look much fitter than than us. So I didn't feel so bad. But as Tim said, you know, there was this kind of thing in the back of my mind that said, well, we could go on to the next campsite and probably would have made it. But the next morning, you know, we had a really big day um, of hiking. It was about 27 kilometres the next day. So if I'd woken up the next day and couldn't have made the 27, we would have to have come back five anyway uh, into back into Gracetown. So it was a really hard one and I felt really bad, I have to say, uh, saying no. And, you know, Tim knows that I'm usually the one that's kind of uh, willing us along. I just didn't have it for whatever reason. I didn't have it in me, in me to do that. 
And certainly from my perspective, that's that's a bit of a tell. I mean, Jill is probably one of the strongest uh, hikers I know, and she doesn't complain on a hike. So, and I uh, <laughs> whinged madly. Seriously, I was not happy with anything, and and uh, you know, it's a tough it's a tough hike. So we were doing most of our hiking either on the beach, on sand dunes, on sandy four wheel drive tracks. Don't get me started on having to navigate the four-wheel drives. You know, that's not a hiking trail, just saying if anyone from WA National Parks is listening. But all of that, I I had so much to complain about, and seriously, I did. <laughs> the other thing, if you had listened to the last podcast, episode 252, you would have heard us talk about a potential fire. And certainly as we were walking towards Gracetown, there was a large plume of smoke, which was very obvious. And it did at first appear to be in front of us. There was certainly fires around, but the smell of smoke, which was very obvious um, uh, for us, was actually coming from behind us uh, and was actually further north. But even as far north as it was from where we were, we were still smelling smelling smoke, which is never a good thing to uh, when you're trying to walk along and you know you've got this stench of smoke in your in your, in your when you're breathing in. Yeah, and it was it. You know, I guess that's another um, aspect to this. So the amount of sand walking, uh, you know, is pretty tough. As I said, the stillness and the and the heat, uh, the concentration um, on those sunny days. And then uh, this smoke was just starting to, you know, make me catch my breath. So I, I think, you know, it probably sounds like a whole lot of excuses, but uh, it just uh, – I can only describe it as it wasn't working for me and – I couldn't I couldn't click my head into the space. Normally I do the, you know, we've just got another 5k's to go, we'll be fine, we just keep going. Or I'm very big on reaching the midday point of a hike. <laughs> so, you know, the the sun definitely comes out um uh after the 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 middle day and uh, then you're on the downhill run. I wasn't even close to that um on that day. So, um, as I said, I don't think Tim was too unhappy, uh, let me just say, um, about uh, me. I think he was suffering from the heat as well and, uh, you know, um, a, a couple of times during the hiking, during the, 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 the three days that we did, he did uh, exhaust his water supply uh, towards the end of the day and he was using my water um, as we were walking into uh, camp as well. So, you know, that that sort of said that he was, you know, perhaps not secretly, he never admitted it, uh, that's the secret bit, but uh, overtly that said he was doing it tough as well. Now, as we mentioned, we've covered, uh, it was actually 44.2 kilometres, so that, that took us from the lighthouse at Cape Naturalist uh, through to Gracie's General Store in Gracetown, and that's pretty much the, uh, the, the, the logical stopping point for us. And at that stage, we, uh, we rang up the local caravan park. They said, yes, they had accommodation available. Uh, we got a cabin rather than a tent site, and they actually have a service where they'll come and pick you up. Yes, uh, yes, so I it, know. It does actually sound like, and in fact, there was another couple who did the same thing as we did that pulled the pin and stopped it there, and they turned up the next day. So apparently... Gracetown seems to be a logical stopping point for a lot of people on this trip. Yes, and uh, I was talking to um, the owner um, at the at the caravan park, and they were saying that they encourage people to 
you know, not just because it's good for their business, but um, because it's good for the hikers. They encourage the hikers uh, to take a break um, at Gracetown and the caravan park. And it's it it was really easy. Uh, we did have to squeeze into uh, the uh, bench seat of the utility. Um, uh, you know, there wasn't much room, but it was only a couple of kilometres up the road and it was a pretty easy, easy run and very, very nice to have a shower at the end of that third day. Now, certainly um, what we thought of the trail so far um, is variable. It's like any track, it's unique. Um, the first thing we noticed was the flies on the first day. <laughs> Uh, when, when we actually went in in Dunsborough to pick up our gas for our stove, uh, I was talking to the owner of the store, and he was saying, "Yeah, you, you do this in midsummer, and you can't open your mouth because you'll just swallow flies." Um, it was pretty much the same on the day we did it. We that first section uh, up until um, the Mount Ducksworth campsite, the first campsite, it was just constant, uh, and I almost without fail, unless it's a winter hike, I will always carry a a bug nest put over my head. I opted not to do this because I thought, no, we're out of summertime, and that was a mistake. Luckily enough, I always carry a buff, so I actually had the buff around my mouth and nose so I could breathe through the material and not swallow flies in the process. But I think we ended up with, what, one and a half for you and one for me as far as swallowing flies? Yeah, that's right. I did have my um, bug net uh, over my hat um, and – you know, I'm not a fan of them because I think when, you know, you're moving um, and it's hot, it does make it a little bit harder to breathe. But seriously, it was the best thing ever. I mean, once we got to naturalist, it was like, I've got to put this uh, net over my hat um, and, you know, wore it, uh, used it most of the way into the campsite um, and yes, I think uh, I, I won. I've got one and a half. Uh, that was one that went in and one I spat out. <laughs> and uh, Tim had uh, one intake, but it could have been much worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I have never done a hike that's had so many flies uh, as this one. Yeah, but again, that was it. Was the first day only the second and second and, and the, the third day? Yes, there were flies around, but they they weren't anything noticeable and didn't have to worry about swallowing flies. So it was that first section. Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? We found on, on that first day for the first few kilometres, it was on a bitumen track, uh, and that surprised us. I knew there was going to be a bitumen for a section, but I didn't think it was going to last that, that for that long. Uh, and we had um, the first light lookout, which people tend to do, very groomed, very manicured. They obviously pruned the side of the trail. Then we continued on from there. Uh, and all of a sudden, the, while the bitumen was still there, the, the the growth from the sides of the track had actually encroached on uh, uh, where you were walking. Uh, that's where we saw our one and only snake, uh, and from what we can tell, uh, it was a jugite uh, that was quite happily lying in the middle of the trail, reasonable size one, nice glossy sort of scales on it, and we talked to... Uh, uh, three young women who came in later into the first camp said they'd seen four small snakes and they'd followed behind us. Uh, so, yeah, normally if you're going to see snakes, it tends to be in the warmer parts of the day, uh, but we only tended to, we only saw one on the track so far. As far as wildlife was concerned, we had a we had bees at the first campsite. Uh, so that's all that was nothing. Uh, you, would, you know, not really any native wildlife as such. Uh, no other. 
uh, animals came to visit us during the night time, which is something I tend to be used to these days, uh, almost without fail. Any time I've ever done a hike, almost anywhere, you expect to have wallabies or bush rats or something uh, coming to visit the campsite just and looking for food. We did, however, get that at the second uh, campsite at Moses Rocks, where we had a bandicoot, which is apparently well known. Uh, and virtually, as Jill started putting the tent up, it came around nosing around to see what we were doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it just didn't take any notice whatsoever. So quite clearly comfortable with people, um, was checking out, looking for some uh, scraps. We didn't have any, um, but went to some of the older or, or some of the campsites, I guess, that we were used in previous days and just kept wandering around the campsite. It was just amazing. Yeah, and when I went over to start dinner at the, at the table that was that site, it, again, it was coming under, it was almost under my feet because <laughs> obviously the expectation is people drop food and you know, give it a, give it a short period of time and, and it'll find food. So, yeah, I don't, again, it didn't come around at nighttime to visit us, uh, but obviously the, now that dusk and, and late in the afternoon, it was out and about looking to see what was there. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I would say um, on this hike is that long sleeves um, for me are a must, um, long pants, long sleeves. Um, I just seem to get bitten to death otherwise, uh, you know, all sorts of things, not just um, the mosquitoes at night, but all sorts of things, just taking a bite during the day and um, obviously um, as well into the evening. I, I don't know how... Others uh, get on. Uh, there were some uh, younger people with shorts and kind of singlet tops and so on, and it was like, oh, I, I would have been a mess. <laughs> Seriously. I don't know about you, Tim. But, um, and, you know, several weeks later, um, uh, on my arms, uh, it's start, starting to recover, so that probably didn't help me and how I was – what I was thinking about the world um, at the time. But – yeah, I, I don't think I've ever bitten, been bitten as much. Yeah, I, I must admit I, I don't hike in, you know, the only time I hike in short sleeves is early in the morning when it's cool uh, and that's only for, you know, shorty, shorter hikes. Uh, certainly on multi-day hikes, long sleeves, long pants. I had sun gloves on, which are fingerless lycra gloves. Uh, they're a, a godsend, particularly when you're using tracking poles and your hands tend to be in that almost that fixed sort of position and the backs of your hands can get burnt so easily. So definitely if you're using tracking poles during warmer months, it's well worth looking at. Um, and a hat as well. So really, you know, me getting sunburn is less of an issue this day these days unless I'm not paying attention, but also for the insect protection as well. Yeah, I, I lay it on the, the block out on my hands and uh, also on the side of my face. Uh, my nose, no matter how much uh, it's covered by a hat, for some reason it attracts the sun. I don't have a particularly big nose, Um but I don't know what that's about. Um, so plenty of block out on my nose too. Now, as far as the track's concerned, um, it's a combination. So again, that short section of bitumen or for, or for a couple of kilometres to start the trip, uh, there is a lot of uh, the natural trails, because it's Western Australia, uh, coastal Western Australia, a lot of sandy sort of tracks. And the sand was fairly soft as well. So mm-hmm. you know, even mm-hmm. in the flatter areas, you could feel the exertion uh, pushing through that sand. Mm-hmm. And as you'll mentioned, we had sections of walking on four-wheel drive tracks. And that 
you know, it wasn't just management road as we class over here. They were active four-wheel drive tracks and we had to actually step off the road as a number of four-wheel drives went past. So they were, um, you know, I guess if I could categorise them, uh, surfers looking for the best spot. Um, so, you know, not not sort of um, four-wheel drivers who are hooning up the road. Um, so they were travelling quite slowly. But um, as I said, it, uh, for me it was just a really weird uh, thing that you were having to um, share the the track uh, with the four-wheel drives and, and you know, they were sandy, um, big, big, big um, holes in the road and in some places just nowhere else to step off. Um, so, you, you know, you, you, you would be standing in the heath bushes if something came past. Facilities-wise, again, we've only done the, um, uh, the two campsites, uh, you know, toilet uh, and uh, normally one or two picnic tables at each of these sites were quite handy. Um, one of the things that surprised me, and, I, and again, I, I think this is, is one of these things, it's more a matter of experience and time spent hiking and camping is we, when we got to the campsite on the first night, we looked around to find the flattest campsite we could. <laughs> um, and there was, from our perspective, there was one really good flat site. Uh, there was another one as well, which was already being used. Uh, and then we had a group of 11 come in, a uh, school group, and I think they just picked a, a site that was close together, but they had some fairly decent slopes. So, you know, they would have been sliding towards the end of one one side of the tent or when they were sleeping at night time. Yeah, I, this always amazes me, um, not so much that people um, pick um, sloping sites, but the fact that if you've got a campsite that – and there were quite a few spots that had been designated, clearly designated as, you know, here's the place that you can put your tent. Um, so, again, you know, if you're going to do that, then surely you – spend a bit of time to straighten out the site a bit or level out the site. So so that was the really weird thing for me. If if it's a, a designated camping area, um, it, it, it doesn't take much to flatten um, a couple of small spots out so that, you know, you've got a few more choices um, as to where to put your tent. And I, th- and I think the other thing as well is if you're a large group, you always tend to try to stay together. But sometimes it's better not to and to spread. Yeah, there was a lot of campsites there, so it would have been very easy to if people had have spread themselves out and not stayed together, they would have had some better, better flatter sites to deal with. So you know, worthwhile keeping in in mind that you know, spend the time, have a look around. You know, there's plenty of choices and options there. Same as the second night, we we looked at the second night and we had a number of campsites or tent sites that were very close to the toilet. Not really close, but you know, it would have been. You know, probably 15, 18 metres away from the toilet facilities and the picnic table. Um, but, you know, we, we chose probably the site. We still had further options, but we were reasonably far away from everybody else. So, A, it gave us a bit of privacy, but it was also one of the, the flattest sites as well. Uh, yeah, and there was a little bit of partying going on, I think, <laughs> um, down uh, at those tent sites close to the um, picnic tables. Um, and uh, yeah, one of the uh, one of the ladies um, did say the next day, um, wondered whether or not they disturbed us, and uh, were a bit worried about 
whether or not we had heard uh, what they were talking about. <laughs> we kind of did, but, you know, um, it's just what happens when um, I think a bunch of young women get together and talk about some stuff or even a bunch of older women get together and talk about some stuff. <laughs> Despite our experience and, and having to call it quits, this is a really stunning um, hike. You, you're hugging the coastline all the way. Uh, the The landscape does change um, and you know is quite spectacular so um, while while we struggled um, and while we've mentioned some you know uh, a, a few things for improvement um, it, it is an experience and it is worthwhile doing and and you know for us uh, this is not the end uh, we will definitely finish this hike and uh, we'll talk about that in the minute but the the landscape is, Quite a variable cliff top beach uh, seascape, um, you know. Uh, it 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 is very worthwhile and and uh, very interesting. And the other thing that you don't normally get uh, when you're hiking is that because it is coastal and uh, there is this um, amazing uh, surf action happening. Um, you you get to see surfers doing surfing things, um, and there are so many of them. And uh, you know, it, it, it sometimes you get quite close to them, and their excitement about um, what's happening with the waves and and what their mates are doing uh, down down in the surf is really quite distracting and infectious in a way. Um, so there is a lot to see, and there's a lot to take in. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's it's very much a coastal walk. If you don't like doing coastal walks, this is probably <laughs> not the walk for you. Um, yeah, more so than any other walks we've probably done, including the Great Ocean Walk. Uh, yeah, we've only done just a bit over a third of the walk, uh, but it was very much dominated by the coastline. So uh, I know uh, in further south we, there are sections that do take you away from the coast, uh, but the majority of this track is along the coastline. So. Uh, certainly, it's uh, it has that going for it. Okay, so where to next for this trip? Um, this trip we will revisit later in two thousand and twenty-three. Um, I've still got to work out um, from a my work perspective about when I can get time, but I'll probably be looking a- at and me too. A- I've worked and Jill too, yes. <laughs> Um, about when we can get across there again and probably looking at, I'm guessing, probably August, September. Um, Definitely the cooler time of the year. We will expect very different weather conditions. Uh, And in some respects, that's not a bad thing. Rather than saying, well, we've done this trip um, all through a fairly warm, dry sort of period, Um, and, you know, a week or two after, uh, later, the, the rain certainly hit Western Australia, particularly up north, um, so this will give us a, a, an opportunity to see what this walk is like at a different time of the year. When we are looking at doing it, there's a good chance we won't be able to cross the inlet because the inlet will be open. So whereas we would have been able to keep on walking along the beach in this case. Uh, and the weather will certainly be cooler as well. So I would expect as a result to see less people than we did on the on the track that were at the time we were doing it. Yeah. Though we didn't see too many. I mean, it wasn't overly crowded you know couldn't say it was overly crowded there were probably i i I guess uh with us um three groups at any one of the campsites but the campsites were you know reasonably large enough to take that that uh kind of uh camping effort 
Okay, so that's all for this week's episode and for the Cape to Cape track to this point in time. Uh, I will be publishing in the next week, uh, so round about certainly by the end of um, April, if not beforehand, I'll be publishing the walk right up with images to date. And we'll be back again uh, towards the end of 2023 to finish this off this walk and to finish off the ride up. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed. Bye for now. And bye from me.